Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome, everyone. We're here today to talk with Bob Tee. He wrote a book called Great Leaders Ask Questions, and that made me look him up and say, hey, how do we do this? He also has a blog called leadingwithquestions.com, and he's been a member of Crew for 48 years, and we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast, but Bob, I want to welcome you here. Thanks for coming. Rory, it's my absolute pleasure. been looking forward to this ever since you invited me. Well, thank you, my friend, and it is certainly my pleasure to uh, chat with you today. So I love the book, Great Leaders Ask Questions. It's very readable. It's very concise very powerful. And um, just tell me just what made, what inspired you to, uh, to write this book? I just, I love the title and I love the questions it has, and I truly believe in the concept, but what inspired you to do it? Well, Rory, that's a, a fabulous question in and of itself. Um, the many people think that this concept of leading with questions must come naturally to me. And I like to share that uh, it does not. I'm, I'm actually a charter member of, of TA, and most people aren't familiar with TA. I say, well, you've probably have heard of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, TA stands for Tellers Anonymous. And, and Rory, I, I have an addiction. This is really true. I'm addicted to telling. And, uh, you know, at our TA meetings, I stand up and say, my name's Bob, I'm a teller, and they say, hello, Bob. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, Teller's Anonymous, I'm being tongue-in-cheek there, but the truth is, I am addicted to telling, and right now I'm a recovering teller, and however, and, and you may pick this up even on during uh, this uh, podcast, that the, uh, the uh, temptation to lead by telling has never left me. But back in 2006, uh, my wife loves to go to bookstores. She goes all over the bookstore. She always knows when she's ready to go, she'll find me in the leadership section. And that day, I found uh, Dr. Michael Marquardt's book called Leading with Questions. I read only a few pages and said, hey, this book is, uh, I'm, I'm taking it home. And uh, it was a page turner. And Rory, the reason I was a, a leader who led by telling was I had no other paradigm. I, uh, I thought the job of a leader was, of course, to use please and thank you, but to kindly tell staff what they needed to do. And then, of course, you know, appreciate good work. But that was my only paradigm of leadership. But as I read Dr. Morcourt's book, for the first time in my life, I saw there was another paradigm, and, and it was actually more effective, that a leader who led with questions would often be 10 times more effective than a leader who leads by telling. And um, gosh, there's so many uh, things that I've learned since, but you know, Rory, I, I asked this, uh, it's actually a heavy burden for a leader who thinks they need to have all the answers. And as mm -hmm. I share, uh, a leader doesn't need to have all the answers. They just need to have some of the right questions. But, you know, Rory, that is true. you've been around a lot of leaders. Um, 
if a leader thinks they need to have all the answers, what do they do when they're asked a question and they don't know the answer? <laughs> Total confusion. You can see the, hair, the deer in the headlight look. And, and, you know, I look back at me, I probably made it up on the spot then. But probably all the staff knew. He doesn't really know. He just made that up. And uh, <laughs> But a leader who... who understands it's actually more effective when asked a question you don't know the answer to turn it around and say wow great question what do you think is the solution or might be the solution and you let the staff answer and um, absolutely so at any rate i got into this you asked why i wrote the book we started the blog and uh, as the blog uh, became successful uh, the next question was, well, Bob, when are you going to write a book? <laughs> and so mm. this book, um, Great Leaders Ask Questions, uh, the background of this book is I actually went through about four years of the blog and, and had a notepad and began to pull out what I thought were the best questions. And uh, that's why the subtitle is a Fortune 100 list. These are, in the book, over 100 questions that a leader can use. I, I call them turnkey ready questions. A leader hears the question. A leader can turn around and begin to use that question immediately with clients, customers, prospects, uh, staff, uh, colleagues, family, friends, and uh, immediately turn around and ask uh, those questions. And it's, uh, well... I've been so pleased with so many great responses from people literally around the world saying, hey, I read the book and you gave me questions that I immediately begin to ask and they're working. Mm. Yeah, they're, it just, it's just filled with great questions. I can't tell my listeners uh, with enough, enough passion or enthusiasm to truly download a copy of it. And we'll share with them how to do that at the end of the podcast, but just a great, a great tool for anyone who wants to lead effectively and lead with questions. And so that leads me to my next question is, um, what is your, uh, your second most favorite question to use? We've, we've gone over the, the first, but what's your, what's your second? Well, <clears throat> My, my second question, and it is the most favorite, is can you please tell me more? And, and Rory, I will use that both when somebody answers. It's like, wow, that's really interesting or helpful or fascinating. Rory, can you please tell me more? And, and in mm -hmm. that, you know, if you can think through that paradigm, when we're asked a question, we often, the first answer we give is kind of a safe answer. We, we're, we do this subconsciously, but as we answer, we're reading the face of the one who asked. And we're seeing if they seem to be pleased or frustrated or, or like, you know, they're not understanding. And we'll actually edit what we're saying uh, in light of what we see on their face. But when they say, wow. Rory, that's really good. Can you please tell me more? We begin to relax thinking, wow, they're appreciating, you know, what I'm sharing here. And now we'll begin to share our very best stuff, comfortable that they appreciate it. 
But Rory, that's one use. That's let me. That's one use of "Can you please tell me more?" But here's another use. When I'm asked a question, many many times I'll say, "Can you please tell me more about the question they just asked?" And and in my book, I've got this funny little story. It's uh, it's about Johnny. He's age seven. He comes running into the house, yelling at his mom, "Where did I come from?" And Johnny's mom hasn't been expecting this question. Well, at least not yet, not at age seven. But after taking a deep breath and collecting her thoughts just a bit, she invites Johnny into the living room where she shares all about the birds and the bees. Johnny's eyes are as wide as saucers as he takes in every word. And when when, uh, Johnny's mom is finished, she says, Now, Johnny, do you understand where you came from? And Johnny shouts out, no, Joey said he came from California and asked me where I came from. (laughs) Do you think Johnny's mom had wished she'd responded to Johnny's first question, where did I come from, with, Johnny, can you tell me more? Because he certainly would have blurted out, Joey says he came from California and asked me where I came from. And she could have said, Johnny, you were born right here in Texas. And Johnny would have said, thank you, ran out of the house. And she could have saved the birds and the bees story for another day. <laughs> well, that that is a funny little story. But I can't tell you how many times I've heard a question and thought, okay, I know what they're asking. And I start talking. Again, Teller's Anonymous, only at sure. some point when I take a breath for them to say, well, Bob, that, that's, that's good information, but my question really was, and now they tell me more, and I realized, oh, my God, yeah, I gave them an answer, but not to their question. I assumed I understood the question and missed it, just like Johnny's mom did. So today when I'm asked a question, I might even do it on the interview if I'm not sure what you're asking is to say, Rory, can you please say more about that so that I can make sure I answer the question Rory's really asking. You are so absolutely right. I'll, I'll give everybody here a, a tip. When I first became a speaker, I wanted to be a speaker really, really bad. And so I got hired by a seminar company and they gave me a workbook for Windows 95. That dates it pretty good. And they handed me the workbook, gave me a couple of plane tickets to North Carolina, and I knew nothing about what I was doing. And so I went out there and and I was going through the workbook and it was awful. I mean, it was awful. But by on Thursday of that week, it was an entire week, on Thursday of that week, an idea came to me. And a woman raised her hand and she said, I get the blue screen of death. Remember the old blue screen of death? I do. And I get the blue screen of death and what should I do? And it just occurred to me, Rather than try to answer the question, which I had no idea what to do, I said to the group, and there was probably 50 or 60 people in the audience, I said, and uh, has anybody else had this problem? And honest to goodness, there was a guy in the back of the room, clearly a, a computer genius, shouldn't even have been in the class, but probably just wanted the day off, raised his hand. He starts to go through a whole host of questions, solves the problem for her. She turns around. I literally say to her, does that take care of your issue for you? She said, yes. I said, then great, let's proceed. Like I actually knew what I was doing. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, but your point is, it's amazing what we can discover or how we can cover ourselves if we just ask that one more follow-up question. 
tell me more, or has anybody faced that, or has anybody else had that problem? Uh, you'll be amazed that you might, in fact, be covered. So oh. um, that made me think of it. Great question, Bob. Absolutely. And I've got another one here. I love this in your book. Uh, you talked about um, the four questions one consultant uses to make a, a six-figure income. And so uh, can you kind of go over that a bit? I, I just love the concept. Well, I can. Um, in, in this case, the, the consultant was a gentleman and uh, shared uh, with me that he makes a handsome six-figure income by just asking these four questions. And I asked if I, if I could write them down. He said, of course. And uh, what I love about them is they're so simple. So here goes. The first question is, uh, what's going well? The second one is, what's not? The third one is, where are you stuck? And the fourth one is, what needs to change? And he shared that, uh, Bob, question one, don't miss that one. What's going well? So often as leaders, Rory, we're thinking, gosh, we got a problem to solve or an opportunity to take advantage of. We don't have time to sit here and rehearse all that's going well. We got to, you know, get to work. But he shared that if he was meeting with you for a day, he'd spend the whole morning on what's going well. Now he has some follow-up questions. It's like, Rory, how'd you figure that out? Rory, tell me more about that. And, and what else? And, boy, I'm taking notes. Uh, and he spends the whole morning on what's going well. The reason he does that is, first of all, he's interested in finding out all those things. But he also knows that when he spends the whole morning and Rory or Bob gets to, in a sense, brag on all the things that are going well, that when, after lunch, he says, well, Rory, uh, wow, you guys are, you know, you're hitting the ball out of the park. By any chance, is there anything that's not going well? Well, at that point, Rory will actually answer honestly because he got to share all the things going well. He now feels free to say, well, there's a couple of things that aren't going well. But if he started at 8 in the morning with, Rory, what's not going well here? It's kind of like you might not even know the consultant yet. You haven't worked with him. And in many ways, he's asking you to immediately start out with confessing what's not going well, which to you and me is going to feel like, yes, I'm a loser. Yes, I'm awful. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. unbelievable that I'm even here. And, and uh -huh. consequently, again, at a subconscious level, he's not actually going to hear the real answer uh, of what's right. not going well, because no one wants to, in a sense, get undressed immediately with a stranger to confess what's not going well. And uh, mm. I was on the uh, another podcast uh, one time with Tom Ziegler, Zig Ziegler's son, who uh, Zig has passed and Tom mm -hmm. Ziegler now runs it. And I, he asked me to share these four questions. Well, as I got done, he said, Tom said, well, Bob, can I, can I share with the audience why that question one is such a great question? And I said, well, Tom Ziegler, it's your podcast. You can say anything you want. <laughs> and Tom shared that he's a bit of a, a, a brain nerd, brain, brain science nerd. 
And he said, when the brain is processing positive things like what's going well, positive endorphins are firing. And he said, that's the ideal place in which the brain can solve problems. He said, if you start it with question two, what's not going well? And that person, the brain is processing, yep, I'm a loser. That is not the ideal place in which to solve problems. And uh, so just another aspect, and I say to leaders, uh, most of us don't take enough time to celebrate success, especially with our staff. And so think about meetings where you can start with what's going well and celebrate that and then turn to the staff and say, what's not going well? Where are we stuck? What do we need to change? Right. I agree. I agree completely. Uh, celebrating success is numero uno. And, and I say, no, don't even go to talk about failure. You know, how do we make success better? We'll fix failures by saying, how do we make this better? And, and in that way, you're never talking about it in a negative way. I, I love Tom Ziegler's perspective and the positive endorphins. He's, he's absolutely right. And so the four questions were, what's going well, what's not, where are we stuck, and what needs to change? Do I have them correct? You do. You do. And, and Rory... I, I just think those are absolutely terrific. And I love the logic when, you know, focus on what's going well and talk about celebrating success. Rory, what, what's amazing about these four questions is they can be used in so many situations. I mean, you can use them with a, a son or daughter talking about their schoolwork and, and the fact that you celebrate their success before you ask areas that are challenging. You, you can use this with friends, uh, almost in a, in a conversation. Uh, let's say you are new to a board and uh, they've invited you to come on the board and they say, Rory, uh, any questions? And you can say, well, as a new board member, I've got a few questions that would just help me to have kind of context here. And, and to begin with, I'd just love to know, you know, in this organization on our board, what's going well? And uh, at the end of the time, they turn to you and say, wow, Rory, you're brilliant. And you can just smile thinking, well, here's, Rory, I know you've discovered this because you are a leader who asks questions. The leader or the person, we'll make it the person, the person who asks questions many times, kind of just at a subconscious level, appears to be smarter, more intelligent than the person who has great answers. And I'm not suggesting that we ought to have terrible answers when we're asked a question, but uh, it's just one of those things that's very interesting, fascinating, that when you ask a great question, the perception by those listening is that, wow, Rory's brilliant. And, and they get that even more than you simply giving a great answer. Yeah, uh, you just made me think of so many things given your answers. I just, I absolutely love it. I mean, the, my positive endorphins are, are firing <laughs> left and right right now. I want to ask about another question. You also um, share a question you love to ask when a team is stuck. And so tell me what's, a, so a, you've got a brainstorming session and the team's stuck. What's your favorite question there? Well, 
I, I love this. And, and again, Roy, just to be clear, um, almost all the questions are not original with me. They're questions I've heard and learned from others. And, and one of the fabulous, I'm just kind of making a note here for, for you and all our listeners, is uh, become a collector of great questions. You don't, they don't need to be original with you, but when you hear a great question, write it down and then begin to use it. Well, this is one of the questions that, that I heard. I was actually in a session once, and the guy said uh, that was leading it, it was a guy, he said uh, many times organizations are actually stuck when they brainstorm, how can we do this? And he said, I'm going to turn this upside down. He, uh, it was a seminar. He's, he, whatever we were working on, he said, how could we do this in a way that would guarantee its failure? That's the question. You brainstorm, how can we do this? Whatever you know is the issue on the table, how can we do this in a way that will guarantee its failure? Well, wow, we laughed and, and began to throw out answers almost immediately. And it was kind of like comic relief. And, you know, he was writing all these answers, surefire ways to guarantee failure. He was writing them all on the board. And then once we had a list, he said, okay, let's look at this list again. If all these things would guarantee failure, let's go one by one. What would we have to do to guarantee success? So just for example, let's say one of the things to guarantee failure was do not make any follow-up calls. Well, that's pretty easy. If that would guarantee failure, what would guarantee success? Ah, we need to make follow-up calls. And, and Roy, here, here's another thing. You know, we've all been in brainstorming sessions. And, of course, the rule is there are no bad ideas. But invariably, somebody will put an idea, and there's always that one guy in the room that will say, well, that's never going to work. Well, well, that guy, that guy or gal is going to absolutely love this take on what can we do to guarantee failure. Uh, they will just absolutely love it. At any rate, it's a way to get unstuck, have fun, and actually solve the problem. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And you also share another questioning technique about asking the second question. I mean, I think uh, uh, I actually interviewed Dan Rockwell of Leadership Free Cure a mm. while back. And, and so talk a little about what uh, Dan's idea was in that regard. Well, this is kind of, you might say uh, earlier when we said, can you please tell me more? That's a form of the second question, but, but Dan takes it to the next level. And... Uh, and Dan says, any fool can ask the first question. Wise leaders ask the second question. And Dan shares that asking the second question will double your effectiveness in leading with questions. But let me give you an example. You ask a friend, what have you been up to? And your friend says, well, Rory, I just got back from a two-week business trip in South Korea. Well, hearing just that much, your second question might be, what did you learn about doing business in South Korea? And, uh, and your friend gives an answer. And there will be some nugget within that next answer that you could actually ask the third question. In other words, you drill down deeper by taking something they just shared 
and asking about that. Or, or your friend says, hey, I just finished reading a great book on executing strategic plans. Your second question might be, what are you going to immediately put into practice? And, mm. and Rory, ever since I got this idea from Dan Rockwell, I've become intentional at asking the second question. And uh, number one, it's not difficult. It just takes awareness. And prior to Dan sharing that, I hadn't any, I had no awareness to do that. And, and of course, as I always say, if you're actually stuck, like, what do I ask? As the second question, you can always go back to Rory. Can you tell me more about that? And uh, that too is a form of asking the next question. Yeah, I love that. Any fool can ask the first question, but a wise leader asks the second one. And what have you been up to? And what did you learn about that? And uh, and what are you going to do immediately to put that in practice? I love those follow-up questions. They are so incredibly powerful uh, to help you in that regard. So absolutely fantastic. I just can't uh, recommend the book Great Leaders Ask Questions enough because it is just absolutely fantastic. I wanted to jump to another part of the book and you talk about um, a CEO of Popeyes. And tell me a little about the CEO of Popeyes and how, she, when she was the CEO there, how she led. That was Cheryl Batchelder. And uh, when she wrote her book, Dare to Serve, she was the CEO of Popeyes. She has stepped away from that role. She is now the interim CEO of Pier One. But in her book, Dare to Serve, she really shared how she used servant leadership to turn Popeyes around. When she became the CEO, shares were selling at about $10 a share. When she left, they were selling at $60 a share. I've not looked at it recently, so I can't give you an update. But uh, she wrote this incredible book, Dare to Serve, and, and I highly recommend her book. But in terms of great questions, there's some great questions in the book. And the one that I pulled out and put into my book, Great Leaders Ask Questions, was uh, Cheryl would, would ask, how well do you know your employees? Do you know the three or four questions that have most shaped their life? And when I got that question, Rory, do you know the three or four questions, three or four things that have most shaped their life? I couldn't wait to find somebody to ask. And uh, the very next morning, I was on a coaching call with a colleague in Canada. He's the Associate Leadership Development Director for our organization in Canada, and I've known Neil since 2007. And uh, even though I had this new great question, I'm kind of thinking, I know Neil's story. Uh, he probably won't share anything with me I don't know, but I, but I think he'll, he'll be fascinated and he'll want to use this question also. So I said, Neil, I've got a great new question. Can I ask you? Of course, Bob. That's what you and I do. We ask questions. I said, Neil, what would you say are the three or four events that have most shaped your life? Rory, I was not prepared for his first, for his answer, the first one. He said, Bob, have I ever shared with you the story of how my birth father died when I was like nine months old? My, my mother later remarried. I, I have no memory of my birth father. And, and the man that she remarried is really the, the man who in my heart is dad. 
And, uh, but he said, Bob, I've been told many times, in fact, I was reminded again recently as a couple months ago, that in the final days of my birth father's life, he knew he was dying. He was in a big bed at home, and every day he would ask to hold me. And as he held me, he would pray over me and ask that God, the Father, would be a father to this little boy that he knew he himself would not get to raise. Neil and I were on Skype, Rory, and Neil began to have tears go down his cheeks and tears began to go down my cheeks as he shared this incredible story. And I was so thankful for the question. Neil and I already had a great relationship, but in about five minutes, our relationship went even deeper because of this profound but simple question. Now, I don't want to promise that every time you ask, you're going to get that kind of emotional response, but every time you ask, you are going to get things you would not have known otherwise. And, and I'm thinking, Rory, of, of uh, Patrick Lencioni. One of his many incredible books is Three Signs of a Miserable Job. And he says one of the signs is to work somewhere where you're unknown. I think Cheryl Batchelder was tapping into that area to say, you know, in the whole workforce of Popeyes, encouraging her managers to ask this question of all the employees. You know, finding a time in which you can have the chit-chat and, and, uh, and say, hey, what are the three or four events that have most shaped your life? And in the process, staff begin to feel known, like my boss doesn't just know my name, he actually knows some of my story. And uh, wow, I love my boss. I love working where I work because it's a place where it seems like uh, the leadership cares about me because they ask. I love that. And I, I just think that's a great way uh, to kind of wrap up the podcast because people do ask, you know, when you ask and you care, people are engaged, they're involved. And what a great way to connect with people as a leader uh, to do that. Because I think that's what leaders are. They connect with folks. Um, so my follow-up question is, so how do, how do folks receive uh, a copy or copies of your book? So how do they do that? Well, Rory, I'm so glad you asked. And I love the answer that I can share. Great Leaders Ask Questions is a free ebook or a free audiobook. If uh, listeners will simply go to leadingwithquestions.com, just run those words together, leadingwithquestions.com. Up at the top, you'll see a place that says resources. Click on that. And uh, you'll be asked to enter your email and hit send, and you will immediately then be connected to all the free resources including uh, to be able to download Great Leaders Ask Questions as an ebook, and or you can do both and uh, or to click on the mp3 free audiobook which uh, I simply read the book so you'll be hearing my voice on Great Leaders Ask Questions but I'd just be delighted. Rory everything I do on social media is actually free because uh, it's a bit to me like the MasterCard commercial yeah, I imagine there's money that could be made, but 
hearing back from people to say, wow, Bob, your books have helped me increase my leadership effectiveness and my staff are now being better led. Well, those kind of responses to me, like the MasterCard commercial, are priceless. And uh, that motivates me. So uh, go to leadingwithquestions.com and request your free download of Great Leaders Ask Questions, a Fortune 100 list. Absolutely love it. And one of the books that I really loved in there was 339 Questions Jesus Asked. Uh, I've recently read a book uh, entitled Jesus is the Question, and it's also about the questions that Jesus asked, and I would love for uh, folks to get that. But also, you said, uh, we said in the first part of the podcast, you've been with Crew for 48 years. Tell me just a tad about that. Well, my wife and I both became uh, followers of Christ at the University of South Dakota in the late 60s. And when we graduated in 71, we were motivated, felt called to join the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ, which was then the name of the organization. It's now called Crew. We spent our first eight years in Crew Campus Ministry in Denver, uh, Colorado, and then the state of Washington and Oregon. In 79, the national director of crew at that time played matchmaker and brought Josh McDowell and myself together. Josh is an incredible author, speaker, and uh, that's what moved us to the Dallas, Texas area in 1979. And for the next 24 years, I had the privilege of working with Josh McDowell. I was really the executive officer, you might say. We saw the staff grow from a staff of eight to over 150 and many, many, many incredible stories. I made 18 trips to Russia, uh, five trips to Cuba, all, all legal by, uh, in terms of Cuba. We had license from the U.S. Treasury Department. And uh, just incredible things, but that's for another story. In uh, 2003, we stepped away from that role. We uh, took a sabbatical. Crew brought us seven opportunities the one that resonated with us is what we've been doing now for the past uh, 16 years has been on the global and U.S. leadership development teams, developing the next generation of leaders for crew. And, and Rory, uh, uh, that's the mission statement, but the elevator speech is actually true of every organization. In 15 to 20 years, almost none of our current leaders will still be leading. In their places will be the leaders we're now developing. Roy, that's true of every organization, not just crew. And if we or any organization fails to develop that next generation, well, the, the organization, the company won't fail today, tomorrow, next week, next month, or even next year. But it may fail 15 to 20 years from now. And, and history is actually filled with stories of companies, organizations, once vital and flourishing, 15 to 20 years they cease to exist and or are a shell of themselves. And when you dig around, the reasons are always complex, but almost always one of the reasons, one of the ingredients, is that the current leadership thought they would live forever. There was no development. And uh, this is a team effort, though, Rory. This is not something Bob does by himself. I'm a part of a great team. And on this team, my role increasingly has become 
recruiting outstanding leaders, many from business, but education, military, government, nonprofits, but leaders outside of crew who commit to coaching one of our crew leaders every other week. And we currently have three different coaching teams, over 80 outside leaders coaching crew leaders. And it has just made an incredible difference. Well, Rory, all of that to say, I'm still having the time of my life. Absolutely uh, love what I'm doing. Well, that is absolutely fantastic. And the information you've given today is uh, both inspiring and I'm all geeked up and fired up. I love what you do because you and I have such a passion for helping grow leaders. And that's the whole point of this podcast. So, Bob, I just want to say thank you and just want to encourage the uh, listeners. You can get a copy of Bob T.D.'s book, Great Leaders Ask Questions, at his website, leadingwithquestions.com. Click on resources, and there you go. Bob, I cannot say thank you enough for being on the podcast today. Rory, it's been my privilege. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you, my friend.